It was Walt Disney who once said that all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. For entrepreneurs, pursuing those dreams generally means a lot of hard work, long hours, and a lack of sleep. A dogged unwillingness to give up doesn't hurt either. In short, while entrepreneurship is not necessarily an easy road, turning an idea into a thriving business can be a hugely fulfilling one. But here's another hard reality. When it comes to making new ventures work, the stats aren't great. Some say that as many as 9 out of 10 startups fail, certainly at least half. So what's the secret to success? I'm Meredith Dalt, and I'm your host for this podcast series we're calling The Startup Cycle, coming to you from the Smith School of Business at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Over the course of the next six episodes, we'll be looking at different aspects of the entrepreneurial journey, from tolerating risk and securing financing to scaling and sustaining your business. We'll hear from people who've been through it and people who've studied it, and it's my hope that no matter where you find yourself in the entrepreneurial cycle, that you'll find a useful nugget or two to take away with you. Today's episode, episode one, we're going to be starting right at the beginning. Discovery. What does it take to make it as an entrepreneur? Is it passion, persistence, or is it just having a great idea and maybe a little luck? We'll have that conversation. We'll also hear from one entrepreneur who found her inspiration in traveling the globe. Stay tuned. right from the start that they want to be entrepreneurs. Dave Jackson is one of those people. I'm president and former owner of Hydropool Hot Tubs and Swim Spas. We are one of the largest hot tub and swim spa companies uh, in the world. We're the largest one outside of the United States, and we manufacture products in Mississauga, Ontario, and we ship them to customers in approximately 40 countries around the world. Dave graduated from the Commerce Program at Queen's in 1991, but he didn't leap into entrepreneurship immediately. He shared his story with me, and we were joined by Elspeth Murray. Elspeth Murray is an Associate Professor and Associate Dean of MBA and Master's Programs at the Smith School of Business. She's also the Director of the Queen's Centre for Business Venturing, as well as a CIBC Faculty Fellow in Entrepreneurship. I started the conversation by asking Dave about his entrepreneurial journey. You know, I think I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I'd seen my dad both work in a corporate environment and then go out as an entrepreneur. So it's something I always wanted to do. And I had an experience operating um, a college pro painting franchise for two years uh, during my summers at Queen's University. So I did get a taste of it. And right out of Queen's, I wanted to find a company to buy into or start my own company and Um, My father said, you're not half as smart as you think you are. Um, You should maybe go and learn on someone else's dollar for a time being. So I went to Procter & Gamble uh, in marketing, and about two and a half years into that, I decided to start to look for a company to purchase. Uh, I was not really a huge idea person, and nor, you know, at that time 25 years ago, there wasn't the opportunities that I, I think some students have today, and it wasn't as easy or as acceptable to start your own business. So I really was looking at acquiring a business. We looked at 
many, many businesses, and I found one that I was able to get an option to buy half the company. It was a small company, and you know the rest is history. So if you describe yourself as not an ideas guy, then for you, entrepreneurship wasn't about bringing a vision to life. It sounds like it was about something else. Well, entrepreneurship for me is about um, you know running your own company and making it better. And you know you may not have the original idea, but what I found is when I when I got into the business, I I quickly developed a vision for Hydropool and where we wanted to take it. Um, of course, using some of the positives that were already in place, and then really trying to take it to the next level. And to me, that is a is a valuable part of entrepreneurship as well. Well, that makes sense, Elspeth. In your experience working in the area of entrepreneurship, how surprising is Dave's path? Not surprising at all, actually. Um, I think there are a lot of myths about what being an entrepreneur actually means, and uh, you know, in kind of the media these days, you hear a lot about the the change the world you know, got this grand idea, the Teslas of the world or the Airbnbs or the Ubers, etc. And so that gets kind of the lion's share of the attention. But the reality is that entrepreneurs come in many, you know, shapes and forms. And uh, as long as there's passion around something, uh, I think that qualifies as, uh, as being quite entrepreneurial. And I think Dave's experience is one of uh, you know, you always wanted to do it, which I find fascinating. And you just figured out a path to get you to where you needed to go. And I hear all the time from students, you know, I want to do my own thing. I want to do my own thing. I want to make a difference. I want to employ people in my town or my city, but I'm not the ideas guy. And that's totally legit. So just find something that you can wrap your, you know, passion and enthusiasm around and go for it. Dave, what was your passion? Um, well, I really had a, a passion to do my own thing and to uh, grow a business and hire people and, and take it to the next level. So, um, you know, I, I, I happen to be passionate about hot tubs, but that's one of the reasons why when I looked at this hot tub business, you know, among 30 or 40 other businesses, it jumped out at, at me as something that I knew people loved. I, I knew everyone that had tried my hot tub at home loved hot tubs. Um, and I thought it would really be a growing market as people started to cocoon at home and spend more time at home. So I quickly got passionate about the idea of growing a hot tub business, and it was something I could wrap my, my mind around and something I thought I could leverage my sales and marketing skills to really drive forward the business. Right, so passion for business and then passion for hot tubs. Yes. <laughs> okay. Which I think is so cool because another kind of myth in, in the whole entrepreneurship area is that, you know, one day <clears throat> some great idea lands in front of you, you know, the epiphany moment. And the reality is a lot of very successful entrepreneurs find the thing through a very systematic search, which is, I think, you know, Dave, you probably, you know, <laughs> went through a bunch of dogs before you found you know, the hot tub business and, and who can't get passionate about a hot tub business. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, many entrepreneurs are passionate about an idea and it doesn't work and they, and they take it a long way and it just doesn't work. So one of the great skills is to be able to try something new, learn from your mistakes and take another idea and pursue that. And I think you'll find some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world have had one or two or three failures en route to finding their magic 
um, idea and, and their passion for their magic idea. Got any examples? Of my own? Any failures along the way? <laughs> so I was just, you know, passionate about entrepreneurship. When I was at Queen's, I uh, purchased a house you know, a student home, and then I quickly was able to sever the lot and purchase two more student houses, and I thought I would be a property mogul in Kingston. And the 91-92 sort of recession came along, and it was an epic fail. But I certainly learned a lot about, you know, business and about um, failing in a business, and, and I think it was one of the reasons why I changed tactics and, uh, and went a different route to and then found success. Fascinating. Thank you. Both of you, and Elspeth, I'll let you start. What do we know about what entrepreneurial people have in common? The age-old question. Is there, a, is, there a is there a survey that you can fill out? Can and I if take you get a class? 10 out of 10, then, you know, boom, you're going to make it. Um, which is one of the things that drives me crazy about some of the stuff that's online now, which is just patently, you know, false. Um, there is no definitive study anywhere that says, you know, if you've got these 16 attributes and you get five out of five that you're going to make it. The best we have is that there are a number of common themes. So if you, you know, pull together 150 studies that have sort of looked at the nature of being entrepreneurial and being successful, uh, that's kind of as good as it gets. And it's, it, you know, it's the things that you would expect. So finding... For example, finding the thing that you can really get passionate about is critical because then it doesn't seem like work and it carries you through. You know, the flip side of that is if it's all about the money, that's usually a marker that you're not going to be successful because you're focused on the wrong stuff or you'll give up, you know, too early. Uh, courage, calculated risk taking, an ability to see the big picture, do the details, uh, those sorts of things. So it's... Um, you know, and that's what we that's what we teach on the program is is not you know here's the questionnaire. It's like here's what it's going to take, and and have you got it? And if it, you're not perfect, then find somebody else who can complement what you bring to the party. So then it is that age old question though: Is a person born? Are those things innate, or can one take a class and acquire the skills? So I get that question all the time. I like many things, like leadership. Like many things, there are people who are just born. And, you know, two years old, the proverbial lemonade stand, you know, they're they're just out there. Uh, at the other end of the spectrum, there are people who are in the no way, no how category. Like they just don't have any appetite for risk or they don't work well with others, blah, blah, blah. Then there's a whole swath in the middle where you can, I think, unlock potential. And that's really what I think you can do in a, you know, in a university program is that you you either unlock the potential or you provide the confidence or you give someone the courage to actually say, hey, you know what, it's not as hard as I thought, I can actually go and do it. Or you find a co-founder and as a pair, you know, boom, you're unstoppable. Dave, what I want to know is, I mean, were you one of those kids with a lemonade stand? Was this desire to do entrepreneurial things uh, nurtured early in you? Yes. Uh, definitely it was, and, and I did have a uh, lemonade stand, a paper route, a <laughs> lawn cutting business. Amazing. Um, and yes, it was something that I, I loved to do and uh, wanted to do at an early age. Okay, so you're classic. Back to sort of Dave's journey, getting a corporate job to round out, you know, what you innately bring to the party is always such a good idea. 
because it's rare that someone is perfect in everything. So whether it's some more innate skill like that risk taking or whether it's knowing enough about marketing or just even systems and processes. I mean, a lot of people learn how to create a business, but not how to actually run and grow a business. And those are different sets of skills. So here's a question. What's the relationship between being a good entrepreneur and being a good leader? Yeah, well, I, uh, a couple things. Um, you know, I, I believe a good skill of an entrepreneur is also to, to have a level of modesty and to really understand what you're good at and what you're not good at. Um, and I think Elspeth uh, said earlier that um, many successful in- entrepreneurs understand that early and then they find uh, people or partners that have complementary skills um, and they can work together and, and feed off each of each other to really build a, a great, vibrant business because there's other people either with technical skills or sales and marketing skills or finance skills that you don't have. So I think, I think that is pretty critical. And um, I think, you know, not every entrepreneur is a leader um, and not every leader is an entrepreneur. I think they are, they're, they're somewhat different. Um, clearly, if you have an entrepreneur who... Uh, loves to take the risk and and have a passion for an idea, and they also have leadership skills, I think that's exceptional, and and they may go further faster. But you can be an entrepreneur with a great idea, with a great skill set, and maybe you are not a leader of other people, but you can find uh, team members uh, who are great leaders, and you can always find a role. So it's really understanding what you're good at and what you're not and finding um, team members who can complement your skill set to take the company as far um, as possible. Elspeth. Yeah, so I'll, I'll weigh in. Couldn't agree more. And I think that's where you see, you know, these killer combos of Bill Gates and uh, and Paul Allen, you know, the inside, the outside person, and you, you, you do see that. So the great PR, uh, you know, wave the flag, hire people, and then someone behind the scenes who's just actually getting a bunch of stuff done. But it's interesting, back to your question about sort of these common attributes of most successful entrepreneurs, and there is a bucket called leadership. And so if you sort of unpack that and look at some of the elements, the one that I've always found most important um, is this notion of most successful entrepreneurs and the leadership kind of the Venn diagram um, where they cross over. Uh, the most important attribute is this internal locus of control. Most successful entrepreneurs believe they can control the world around them. And so, you know, every day you wake up and you say, I can make a difference and, and I can, I can get the deal or I can get the cash or I can hire the person. And so it's never someone else's fault. It's always you thinking that you can actually be the one to, you know, bring the stars into alignment in, in your galaxy. Beautifully said. Thank you. So Dave, final question. What's the single biggest piece of advice you wish you'd been given when you started out as an entrepreneur? Um, well, let me just let me just say one other thing. So maybe not the, the biggest single advice I wish I'd been given. But if I was to give um, young entrepreneurs advice, I would uh, definitely say um, there's so much more opportunity now for young people. It is, it is more um, acceptable for people to become an entrepreneur. Um, the technology has lowered the cost of starting up a business in, in many respects. Um, I think it is a fantastic time to be an entrepreneur and take a couple of years of your life when you're young to try and follow your dreams. And if you do it smartly with the right team in place and 
get some mentorship and advice along the way, I think you have a high, high probability of being successful. And I would encourage anyone that is, is even remotely interested to uh, try and take an entrepreneurial route. Advice from Dave Jackson, president of Hydropool Inc. As we just heard, his passion for hot tubs grew from his passion to grow his own business. And that idea of passion comes up a lot when we talk about entrepreneurship, that without it, a person is less likely to want to put in the hours and hours it requires to make a go of something new. As Steve Jobs once said, if you're not passionate enough from the start, you'll never stick it out. But what if that's just not true? What if we've been looking at the relationship between passion and perseverance all wrong? Looking for answers, I went to see Matthias Spitzmuller, an associate professor and the Toller Family Fellow of Organizational Behavior at Smith School of Business. Hello, Matthias. Hello, Meredith. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm glad you could be with us. So, Matthias, what are we misunderstanding about the relationship between passion and what we called perseverance, but some people would maybe call effort? I believe when we're thinking about passion, we believe exactly what you just mentioned. It's the idea that passion is the driving force behind entrepreneurship. If you don't have passion to begin with, your venture is not going to be successful. You're not going to be able to overcome obstacles. Ultimately, your venture is not going to be successful. I believe that is the idea that most people, most entrepreneurs would subscribe to. What we find in our research, however, is that passion just doesn't start a venture. Oftentimes, what is the first step in the venture is the effort that an entrepreneur invests into the creation of a company. Just really hard work. The effort ultimately drives the passion. Once you have invested more and more, you become increasingly invested in the idea, in the company that you are growing. So the passion follows from the effort that you invest. And it's not that passion drives the effort that you put into your venture. But surely you need some sort of spark of passion to start the initiative. You do need a commitment, I would say, whether the commitment derives from passion or from an interest in a product or a service, or sometimes also much more mundane things such as perceived opportunities in the marketplace. So I think there has to be a commitment at the beginning that gets effort going. But passion as this warm, fuzzy feeling, this strong identification, this sense of identity that you want to express through your venture is something that doesn't have to be as strong at the beginning. Instead, it can follow from the effort that you invest into your business and the initial successes that you accumulate along the road. So in other words, we should not be sitting around waiting until we feel passionate about something enough to start a, a company. That is exactly, I think, the key message. And I think that is not just important in the context of entrepreneurship. The same applies to pretty much everything that we do in our lives. I think oftentimes we have got this feeling that we have got this passion in us that we just have to find and wake up and then we just get going until the end of our days. And that is just not true. Some passion is something that you have to work for, that you have to make your own through hard work. And if you look at the beginnings of some of the most successful ventures, very often it was not a strong passion for something that drove it, but it was perceived opportunities. It was an uh, 
um, an interest in a product or service that eventually developed into this strong passion that we later on came to associate with the likes of Steve, uh, Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. Mm. So do you have any examples? If we look at the entrepreneurs with um, which we have worked in our research, um, many of whom are in uh, African countries, um, Uganda, um, uh, Tanzania, Kenya, for many of those entrepreneurs, their venture is not the product of a strong identification with what they do. This is an opportunity to make a living, but they become passionate over time. They become passionate as they realize that, wow, I've got my first paying customer. I've got more customers right now. I've got the first employee who is making a living off my my venture. And that is how the passion eventually grows. And this might be an extreme context because entrepreneurship in an African context is certainly different from the types of ventures that we oftentimes study in our context. But I think it still makes the point that passion develops along the way as a function of hard work and early successes that you make. It's a very, it feels like a very Western world way to think about things. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think with a Western worldview, we oftentimes believe that we have got this intrinsic drive, that we've got this passion that you just have to identify and wake up. And once identified, it's going to just carry you all the way to the finish line. And conversely, that somehow if we haven't found that passion, that somehow we've failed in our mission. Yeah. And I also see that a lot with my, uh, my students that I teach here at the Smith School. There is a great anxiety in many of them that they feel that I haven't found this passion yet and I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be in here and I don't want to be just another accountant and there's this um, yeah this this anxiety what do I do with this uncertain situation and what I try to tell them is this is pretty normal and essentially what you have to do is you have to pick a field that interests you and then make it your own through the progress that you make and the the people you get to know and the excitement that you generate over products and services. And that ultimately is then going to create your passion. And I think that older students, they they get that because they've seen that in, in their own career trajectories, that passion is not that easy. It's not just something you have to wake up. Mm-hmm. So how did you conduct your research? So we conducted our research in different uh, settings. The one article that we've had published in the Academy of Management Journal used two different samples. One was a sample of entrepreneurs in Germany who we followed over a 10-week period. And what we did is we always asked them, so how passionate do you feel about your venture? How much effort have you invested? How much progress have you made in this particular week? And as we were able to measure these constructs over a 10-week period, we were also able to model statistically whether passion is the construct that drives effort or whether effort drives passion. And we realized that the relationship is much stronger in the reverse direction, such that passion follows effort. The second study which we conducted um, for that particular paper was in a lab setting in which we had students develop an uh, a venture idea and we uh, um, provided feedback to them on the uh, success which they made earlier on as they were developing their, their business plan and then we uh, were interested in finding out so how passionate do you feel about this idea then. So in a controlled setting, we were essentially replicating and investigating the psychological mechanisms through which effort drives passion. That's really interesting stuff. I mean, it just feels so applicable to so many 
aspects of our lives. If you were going to give us one takeaway for aspiring entrepreneurs, what would it be? The the one takeaway is hard work is something that I think every entrepreneur will tell you that without hard work, you won't be able to succeed. Sometimes entrepreneurs tell me that, oh, when I when I started my business, I wanted to move away from my 60-hour work. I wanted to have control over my schedule. I wanted to spend a bit more time with my family. And then it turned out that they were working even more hours than they did before, and they were much more psychologically invested in it. So I think it takes this strong commitment to growing your business, investing in it, making it your own, identifying strongly with it, But this belief that you have to be absolutely in love with your company from day one, I think is an over-romanticized and ultimately, I think, uh, dysfunctional view of the uh, the process of entrepreneurship. But I just have to ask, I mean, when does it morph from just feeling like hard work to feeling like something you want to be doing? I think that process develops relatively fast. We have also seen that in the study in which we conduct, that usually happens already within the first year that this passion develops. But the passion doesn't necessarily have to be there with that strong intensity from day one. But I would still agree with the original statement from Steve Jobs. If you haven't developed that passion after a year of trying to grow your venture, you're probably not going to be able to stick it out and you're probably not going to be able to still grow that venture after you encounter the the first obstacles and every entrepreneur knows very well lots of obstacles will come your way. Mm. So it sounds like keeping an open mind is the best approach, being open to the possibility that one could become passionate. Yeah, and probably also not overly monitoring it every day. Have I developed my passion today? How, uh, <laughs> how, how do I feel about it? I think it's ultimately the commitment to the venture, the idea, the people that are associated with it. And sometimes passion develops without us being fully aware of how the seed is slowly growing into a solid plant. So there you have it. If you've been waiting for a spark a lack of passion is no longer a viable reason for not kicking off your entrepreneurial venture. And finally, it's time for... How I Got the Idea. This is the segment where we talk about how people find the spark that kicks them into entrepreneurial action. Today we're asking how Erica Pearson got her idea for Vacation Fund, a Toronto startup that helps companies help their employees save for vacations. Erica graduated with a Bachelor of Commerce degree from Smith School of Business in 2014. Here she is. So Vacation Fund is an employer-matched vacation saving program offered as a company benefit. So employees have the ability to, to direct a portion of their paycheck into a separate vacation fund account, and employers are typically matching 50% of the contribution capped at a certain dollar amount per paycheck or annually. So you're saying that without even really trying, I could amass quite a, a good amount of money, sort of like I would with a pension, without even yeah. noticing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the nice thing about the 
the payroll contributions as people actually forget that they're contributing and then they log into their account and they think, oh, this is incredible. I can actually afford to use my vacation time properly and go somewhere amazing. So That's great. Well, because this segment is, is how I got the idea, I need to ask you, how <laughs> did you come up with the idea for Vacation Fund? So out of my commerce degree, I went into finance. I loved aspects of capital markets. But eventually, I sort of got the itch to start my own company because I I really admired the stories of startup founders that I was reading about, and I didn't want to live my life with any regrets. So I was doing my homework on how to start a startup, and I learned that you shouldn't necessarily start a company unless you are so passionate about solving the problem that you can't not do it. My initial thought was, what am I passionate about? enough so that I can put all of my time and energy into starting a company. So what I was realized I was sort of truly passionate about was a mix of financial wellness and travel, um, primarily because growing up, my father would spend money on almost nothing but travel, no unnecessary air conditioning, no meals out. Um, so as much as we traveled incredibly economically, Um, he took us on about three trips a year. And by the time I turned 22, I had visited over 40 countries. So I like to joke that he was sort of a millennial before millennials and living (laughs) for experiences over stuff. And so I'd seen people joining bucket list platforms. And I thought that's awesome. People are setting and checking off their goals as they go. But knowing how expensive travel can be, I thought, well, that's great if you want to go on a safari one day, but if you don't start saving for it, you'll never actually get there. So the initial intention was just build a B2C financial technology platform that would help people save specifically for their travel goals. But I very quickly started to ask people, okay, are we actually solving your problem? Is this really what prevents you from going on vacation? And we, when we asked people that, the response seemed to be 50% of people said, I can't afford to travel as much as I'd like to. And the other 50% said, I'm really hesitant to ask for time off. And around that time, I started talking to tech CEOs in Toronto who said, do you know how tight this labor market is? Like, we're trying to offer things to our employees that will actually resonate with their priorities and their values. And that on top of people having this, failure to disconnect mentality, companies that were really forward thinking started to ask, what if we offered this as a company benefit? What if we put money towards people's vacations? So it was kind of like the end user and the companies were handing me a pivot from B2C fintech to a B2B company offered as an employee benefit, sort of on a silver platter because they said, this is really where the opportunity lies. And with that, we have come to the end of episode one. Next up, we'll look at the question of risk. Can you be an entrepreneur without embracing it? I'm Meredith Dalt at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. Thanks for listening.